Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I'll go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. Collingwood travel to Perth this week. Who you got? Yeah, I think West Coast will get over the line. I, I'd rather be in West Coast shoes than uh, Collingwood shoes at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good game, and I'm going to be there. So Friday night fun. Collingwood back to the wall. Coming off a poor loss against GWS, as much as West Coast did against St Kilda. Nathan Buckley back to the wall. This is this smells to me like a uh, a massive effort from the Magpies. But we'll see how we go. Enjoy the game on Friday night. Uh, we're going to get straight into this podcast. So just quickly, um, as always, if you retweet any podcast link, you go in with a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap. Uh, again, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. Some more will be given away at the midway point of the season. Okay, AFL ratings, Twitter accounts, uh, plenty of information going out on those. All I ask in return for the content are likes and retweets and aflratings.com.au. Uh, plenty of injury information going up today and other stuff fantasy related there as well. So jump on there to take a look to improve your knowledge. Okay, remember this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. Uh, we are recording on Tuesday night, April 13. Of course, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, Jep, thoughts on round four of the season. What has caught your eye through four rounds of the 2021 home and away season? So for me, I think the primos are really showing their worth and they're putting their hand up. So we're knowing who the top six defenders are, the top eight mids, and maybe not so much the forwards. We obviously know the rucks and who, who's dominating, but I think these primos are really setting themselves, and we, we've got good data now to, to plan ahead and bring in those primos we want to bring in. Yeah, for me, uh, we did see a little bit of wet weather in round four, and we started to go to contested-type players starting to hit the fantasy scoreboard. So uh, once we get into the deep dive of winter... I think those players will start to excel again. Okay, ruck issues. Paul Hunter uh, hasn't seen game time at the Saints. Uh, Rowan Marshall did come back last week. Does have a questionable tag for this week. Paddy Ryder is back in town. He is training back at the Saints. So Hunter's job security is very sketchy, if anything at all. Okay, the next one. Lloyd Meek. Rory Lobb is on the radar to return either this week or next. Uh, Lloyd Meek, we know, is a backup ruck with Sean Darcy. Now, Justin Longmuir did say on radio in Perth tonight that he does like the dual ruck setup. So it's just got to be a bit of a watch on how that plays out for Fremantle, whether that is uh, Tracy still in the team, or does that mean that Lloyd Meek goes out of the team if Rory Lobby is coming into that team? So that's one to keep an eye out for. Obviously, Ryan Daniels is the one... Uh, to keep an eye out from, on Twitter. Um, so he will post some information if it comes to hand prior to lockout. Now, the other issue is for fantasy coaches, if you are relying on any of those three at R2 for this week, uh, there's a lot of concerns. The third one there is Matt Flynn. Now, he was managed in round four. Now, listening to that post-game presser from Leon Cameron, it was, it was a nightmare for those who had 
Matt Flynn at uh, two for round three, which I was one of. I listened to that press conference and I go, this is not good. He didn't confirm whether Mumford would play a stretch of three to four games in a row. Now, a stretch of three to four games in a row, that's not being rested this week. So, he, and we know what he did last year. I'll just go back to what I said in the preseason. He changes it up so quickly, you don't know where you stand. So, Matt Flynn is not a guarantee. As far as much as he has been outstanding in the early part of his AFL career, um, there's no guarantee that he's going to be back. Now, he also mentioned Kieran Briggs to be playing uh, games in a short while. So, you've got Flynn, you've got Mumford, and you've got Briggs. Who knows where that stands? It's a week-to-week scenario, so I think if you've got, if you're relying on Matt Flynn at R2, you need to get the hell out of there. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Chip? Yeah, so <clears throat> look, I had last week I had some pretty diabolical um, injuries to cover, so I just brought Gorn in. I um, I didn't want to make it muck around. I wanted Gorn. I thought he'd do well against Stanley, and I thought, not bugger this, it's time. And have Flynn as my R3 still to generate cash because that's a huge issue for coaches, as we know. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation would be to hold Flynn at R3 as long as you possibly can because he's pretty chunky in, in salary at the minute. Um, but he's still got more cash to earn. So reading between what Leon Cameron has said, he, yeah, he might come in one week, be out the next, and whatever else. But Mumford really was a game-changer for the Giants, I thought. Mm-hmm. In that type of game, in that wet-weather football, I think it. Mumford is the preferred ruckman. In dry weather, to be fair, I think Flynn's the better option because Mumford couldn't run in that last 10 minutes of that game. Like, I'll, the commentators were pointed out pretty clearly. It was like... You know, Mumford's not the fittest guy around, clearly. And it was a big struggle. And I thought Collingwood could have run over the top of him if it was a dry weather game and they were in the same scenario. So that's what I read through it. I thought, yep, Mumford was one of the better players. Leach, he sort of changed that midfield a bit. But I looked at the weather and, and put it down to that and um, where you didn't rely on leg speed too much. And I thought that suited. So... That's where I see, but again, from our, from fantasy coach's point of view, I think Flynn at R3 is the way to go. Yeah, I'll just go back to what I said. I did have Flynn at, uh, I was relying on him at R2. So what I did when, well, I had another issue there. I had Zach Williams, and so that just uh, pretty much forced my hand that I needed to trade him out, and not knowing how long he was going to be out for. So I just pulled the trigger on Grundy straight away. So uh, yeah. I agree with you. I just put... My thinking was in going into round five, which is this week, was that I needed uh, Flynn at R3, and it was he was going nowhere near on the field anymore. He's just there to generate cash, so I agree with you there. Okay, on to the next one. How should listeners approach each week in the current situation of likely thin ventures? What are your thoughts there? Well, it's what we're what the cards we're dealt is we're not blessed with a whole bunch of quality rooks at the moment. But you know the news today of Finlay McRae debuting was a was great because he's a ball winner, like his half brother, and um, yeah, it's it's a blessing in disguise to have him with Collingwood with a pretty small injury list. I might add, even though Taylor Adams has gone down, they've only got four 
or five players on their injury list as it stands. So McRae comes in with a with a pretty small injury list, big tick for me, job security wise, and he can score. So it's just managing what we what players we're going to get each week. I think Will Kelly's another one that's going to should score around the 60s. Um, and I think if we can, you know, double downgrade where where possible when the talent's there, you know, Lockie Jones and Finlay McRae. A lot of them us don't own him, own them, sorry. So I think that's more important than actually bringing in a primo at the minute because it's just taking up space. You know, I've still got Hunter as we spoke about. So yeah, there's there's a lot of people occupying bench space that aren't generating the cash, and it might not hurt in the next week or two, but I think in a month's time it's really really going to sting. Yeah, just keep an eye across all news with regards to your rookies and uh, for those that seem to be on the outer, look to move them on. So I think cash generation is going to be critical and bench cover I think could be critical at some stage throughout the year. Uh, A lot of fantasy coaches were hit last week. On to current assessments. Uh, Bench coverage started to become an issue, so similar topic in round four. What would be your strategy for the weeks ahead? So, yeah, again, just bringing in the talent that that we can rely on that's going to score pretty well, um, and but still managing our, our on-field 22. Obviously, that's still the priority to, to a point. But, yeah, for me, I think this is the perfect week to double downgrade and get rid of the dead wood. Um, and that really, for me, I think Highmore is going to struggle to get another look in soon as well as hunter scott's in trouble so a lot of us have a lot of issues that we need to really fix to make sure we've got this cash generation in the background um on our bench so we can make the upgrades yeah for me it's playing the long game we're currently at 17.4 percent of the home and away season so we've got a long way to go uh, we do know in AFL Fantasy Classic overall that you can make up plenty of ground late in the season. So playing the long game uh, is what I do recommend. Okay, Jet, the next one, how are you prioritising rookies? I'd oh, look basically from scoring ability, I think, at this point. Um, I don't think any rook has ever got assured job security um, unless, you know, the Sydney kids are probably the exception. Um Probably got Jordan under a bit of a selection cloud this week. He was pretty quiet against Geelong. So prioritising the scorers. So for me, I think Lockie Jones showed a lot. Obviously worried with Hinkley again, week-to-week selection, but I can see why he's in the 22. He just doesn't break stride. Um, He's as hard as a a 19-year-old. I thought he was going to blow up after his first half um, runaround, but he, he managed to stick through and he was pretty good. So big tick there. I think Lockie Jones is a big one. He's going to score over 60. And then, yeah, Finlay McRae, like I said before, he's going to get some midfield time and, and do pretty well. So, yeah, prioritising those scoring rooks and then, um, yeah, looking at job security second. Yeah, so all three, all three equal there for me. Job security playing role is important. Uh, scoring ability there, so similar to what you just said, all equal factors for me in assessing a rookie. Flexibility in your roster with DBPs is also critical, especially if we're looking at bench cover issues. Okay, Jeff, on to the next one. What should coaches do first? Fix underperforming on-ground players or non-playing rookies? 
So it's a pretty common question throughout each year. Yeah. Can you go one on one? You know, ideally yeah, it's one on one. You know, you're covering both both um, bases, so to speak. So sometimes though we force our hand with injuries, aren't we? So it, it gets pretty difficult. But yeah, if you can do one on one and down traditional downgrades, upgrades um, for a cash that's got a little bit of of um, you know cash generation that he's done, or if not. Because there's still some mid-prices that are screaming a value too. So we're not going to have that luxury um, for many, many more weeks. Yeah, for me, uh, obviously, if you're very thin on the bench, uh, start looking at that because it will hit you at some stage. Uh, attack that first. For me, uh, one-on-one can be fine if you've got the luxury. And obviously, cash generation is critical for uh, completing your team more so um, ahead of others late in the season. So that's where you can make up a lot of points again, is getting to a completed team first. So cash generation there. So for me, you know, this week, I'm actually looking at two rooks uh, this year, this week. So um, I have no issue with that. Okay, Jeff, on to the next one. How early should coaches trade in rookies? Game one, or is game two okay? Your thoughts? You know, game two is okay. Because the, the break-even is set pretty high in, in the first game. So waiting game is not the end of the world. But if, you know, the information that we got, and we'll use Finlay McRae in this instance, mm. he's, he's a ball winner. He's been playing midfield in the VFL practice matches. He's done very well, been in the best three or four or five players every week. Um, so that tells us, and then with Adams out, that tells us he's going to, and Buckley's comments today, he's getting midfield time. So you, you can jump the gun there on a, on a quality rook like Finlay McRae. But someone like, let's go again, Will Kelly, who might, you know, West Coast might, defence is pretty solid. He might struggle in that forward half for Collingwood. So I'd wait a week on Will Kelly and just see how he goes, see how he blends, and then jump the gun for Will Kelly pending performance next week so it really is on a case-by-case basis yeah his job security should be fine at Collingwood Will Kelly but yeah I agree um obviously the the role is a a pretty much a half a key forward there uh it can be volatile so yeah you can wait a week on Kelly uh but yeah my thought is uh priority is for a a, um to hit on a premium rookie in game one so that's Finlay McRae and that would be this week so I agree with you there uh, but the game two is also okay. Um, and it gives you an option to have a look and see uh, on roll. And also it gives you an option if that they're in for one game and out for one game is that other fantasy coaches can be stuck in that trade. So game two is certainly okay with me. Uh, we're taking a look as well. Okay, Jeff, next one. How late is too late for trading in a rookie type player? So maybe an example there is Heath Chapman for this week, who still has a relatively uh, decent break-even, maybe a couple other players in amongst there. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think Chapman's beyond it now. So rule of thumb for me personally is nothing over 300 grand. Um, it's just, again, in a, in a year where cash generation is going to be hard, it's it's you just want to spend as little as you can. Now, I know Lockie Jones is only 50-odd grand cheaper, but... Um, you know, that 50 or grand can go a long way, maybe not this week, but next week. So generally, I, I, I like not to spend, when they peak over 300 grand, I, I stick to, or tend to stay away. 
Yeah, for me, I'll just refer to the break even if, if it's still quite strong. I don't mind looking over 300k. So if it's a negative, uh, strong negative break even, I don't think that's a problem for me. Okay, Jep, we're going to do our top five rookies uh, to target for round five. So just a bit of a change up for this week. Anyone under 350k? Uh, what are your top five for round five? So for me, it's Lockie Jones, number one. Uh, Finlay McRae, number two. Number three is Will Kelly. Number four is McCreary, who I loved. I mm. thought his energy was great yeah. and exactly what Collingwood need. He'll be in that team for a while. Yeah, he will be. Um, and number five, still Dev Robinson. Although Dev had a role change, he's still got a really great break even. And if he sticks around for another two, three weeks, it will... It'll be enough, I think. So, yeah, there's a five. Yeah, just on Dev Robinson there, and I've got him in my five there, is that, uh, that those conditions didn't really suit him. Obviously, with Berry coming back into the team, he was moved on the outside a bit more, but that's where he got the most of his ball in round three. So, yeah, again, the conditions didn't suit him. I thought he was still okay when the ball was in his vicinity. Okay, my top five, they, these are not in any order. Uh, Lockie Jones, Heath Chapman, Devin Robinson, Finn Mc... Finn McRae and Miles Bergman still. So uh, obviously the one I'm hitting on here is Miles Bergman is that with Dersma and Butters going out with long-term injuries, uh, Bergman does have an opportunity to come back into that team. So yeah, uh, don't be giving up on Miles Bergman anytime soon. Okay, Jeff, on to the next one. We're going to uh, select a few players here and that's with a break even of below 80 points. Um, your thoughts on each, just a one-liner for each of us. First up, Tim Taranto, he's got a break-even of 79. Your thoughts? Yeah, amazing. Um, big trade target for everyone. It has to be. He's he's going to dominate. Yeah, big target for me as well, break-even 79. He's going to... Well, he didn't actually see that much of an increase in centre-bounds usage in round four, uh, but he's still got the scoring done. So, yeah, big tip there for me. Uh, break-even of 79. He's going to generate some cash there, and he's a premium target for sure. Darcy Parrish, your mate, the one... <laughs> He's got yeah. it done again. His center bounces are going up. And, yeah, and the one that got impacted last week was Andrew McGrath. So that might yeah. be a week-to-week thing where it might vary a bit. He is actually getting it done. But, you know, if we're looking at uh, spending a little bit more for Toronto, I'd probably go Toronto. But Darcy Parrish at 75, what are your thoughts? Look, yeah, he's playing great. But for the, for the players that you're bringing in at this point, I think they're, they're top eights or yeah. top sixes. Yeah, yeah. the keepers. So... Paris to me is not a keeper, so it's a no. Okay, next one. Well, I'm still like for Paris. Okay, on to the next one. Jack Bowles, like taking marks left, right, and centre. He's a general in a, in in defence for the Suns. He's got a break even of 75. Is he a target for us? He has to be. His kick handball ratio is amazing for obvious reasons. He um, I, we spoke about him weeks ago. Um, and I just haven't been able to get it done, unfortunately. But, yeah, he's been great and a big, big get for those who have him. Uh, yeah, massive tick there for, for me, for me, for sure. Okay, um, break-even of 75 as well. So next one here is Dyson Heppel, who's got a break-even of 74. Now, he's moved back to half-back this year, and he's going to... He's just one of those players who's going to keep racking it up when the ball goes in his area. Uh, his elite skills by foot... I think it's a big tick for me. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think he's a top six defender when he gets DPB status in round six. Mm. It uh, has to be a target. It's, it's a no-brainer. So, 
if you get him this week, you have the flexibility to switch next week. You know, a Markov can be upgraded next week potentially for for the for those that own Markov or a Jordan Clark or, or whatever. So, yeah, massive massive tick for Heppel. Next one, so like there for me for Heppel. Uh, Chad Wingard, break even of 71. Uh, he's come back into the team and he's just hitting those scores at an elite level. Now, Hawthorne have increased disposals this year. They are hanging on to the ball. They're not getting the ball inside for, uh, forward 50 quick enough. So their disposals per inside 50 is quite high. And from a fantasy point of view, when you've got teams who are just hanging on to the ball, their players within, in that team are the ones to target. Obviously, we've got Mitchell in there in that team as well, and Warple was okay on the weekend. But the one we're talking about here is Chad Wingard. Your thoughts, break even of 71? Well, look, it seems like deja vu, firstly, mm-hmm. um, from, from last year. But the, the evidence is clear this time around, I think, and I think it's going to be more consistent because Hawthorne are playing a lot better than they were last year. They're, they're vying for top eight, and they're going to push pretty hard for that. So I think it's a big tick. I don't think there's a lot of primo forwards putting their hand up. So at this point, you'd have to look at it and look at it pretty well. Yeah, there's some chance to be a top six there at the end of the year, that's for sure. I, well, I'm a like for Wingard, uh, but yeah, just health, if he, can, if he can stay. If it was a guarantee that he can stay healthy for the remainder of the season, he's a massive target for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on to Noah Anderson. I uh, did see a bit of a decline in centre-bounds usage in round four. Um, he has been excellent at the start of the season. He's got a break-even of 50, 58. Uh, he's already generated some cash there. Do you like him as a long, long-term prospect? No, no, I don't. I think he's going to still be inconsistent with his scoring, and that's not what you want for a player at his price. Yeah, I'll just uh, refer back to what you said earlier. It's just right now, um, once we get to round six, round seven, it's it's targeting those midfielders you want in a team for the remainder of the year. So it's probably a pass if you don't own Anderson for me. Okay, we're going to do an 11-pack uh, for the listener request this week. Thank you for sending those in. Uh Time to play like or dislike. Add a comment if you like. Uh, Jordan Clark, Jeb, like or dislike? No, dislike. He plays North Melbourne this week, and I'm trading him out this week, and I know what's going to happen. He's going to go gangbusters, but he's had his chance, so dislike. Yeah, uh, dislike for me. Um, I can't trade him out due to other issues this week. I hope he goes off for 130 for you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'll, like I'll get the I'll get the decent score if he goes off. If not, reversal happens. So it's uh, yeah, I, I need to hang on to him uh, for specific purposes. Yeah, but it's a dislike for me. Get him the hell out of there as soon as you can. I just don't have uh, a situation where I can. Next one, Caleb Sarong. I was massive on Sarong in the preseason, but what we obviously we did see in the preseason games is the Marquette game sort of came back and contested players were sort of on the outs. I think that will change as we get into the midway point of the season when where the footy starts to hit games. But Sarong has struggled from a fantasy perspective early in the season. For me, it's a dislike. Uh, your thoughts there, Jip? Yeah, it's a dislike for me too. He's He was a, uh, a mid-pricer that hasn't performed and he's not going to be a top eight mid, so you just cut your losses and get rid of him. One player that could be a top eight mid is Adam Trelaw. Now, we know the Bulldogs are a high disposal team. As soon as his centre bounces have started to increase, his scores are starting to pop. I think lower ownership might be a benefit for fantasy coaches here as well, because obviously no one would have started with him. 
I think he's a target for the remainder of the season, and he is a genuine top eight prospect. Your thought? For me, it's a massive like. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, it's a like for me too. There's not a lot he doesn't do. Um, he kicks goals. He loves the mark kick game, and it suits him. And that's the way the Bulldogs play. So. You know, he's warming up to the, the systems of the Bulldogs and every week that goes past, he'll be more confident. So you got to love it. Yeah, just on Josh Dunkley there for the Bulldogs, he did see a decline in centre-bounce usage as well, but he's moving into the midfield in general play, so I think it's still going to be overplayed for Dunkley. But yeah, massive like there for Chalor for me and especially potentially low ownership there and high-selling player. Uh, one player, Rowan Marshall, obviously is questionable tag for this week. We know he's got forward status, so there's a benefit there for luck coverage, Jeb. Your thoughts on Marshall? Do we, With that injury and with going down around four for just for a little bit, he did come back on. Are we a little bit concerned for longevity? Is it one player that we might want to target later in the year? Yeah, definitely. That's right. It's a later in the year. Let him get fit and over this injury, dare I say, they rushed him back. Um and yeah, he didn't look 100% at all. So we don't want to carry that in our, in our fantasy team. So dislike for now. But yeah, later in the year, who knows? Yeah, agree, agree right there. Our next one, Callum Ward, straight in the middle of the ground. Uh, he was fantastic against Collingwood. Uh, lock up, dislike, yep. <laughs> I, from, now, let's just put fantasy just to the side for a sec. Callum Ward, probably, along with Mumford, just turned that game. For, for GWS, and he was phenomenal. So Callum Ward was taking Taranto centre bounces, and it worked for GWS. Um, he was the catalyst there, and yeah, he, he will continue going forward. So it's a, it's a target for sure. He's still cheap enough. Yeah, massive. If he's going to be inside midfield for the remainder of the year, it's a big like there for me as well. On to the next player, old favourite Aaron Hall. He was everywhere in round four. Uh, if he's going to play that role, we know he has a monster ceiling. So does David Noble flicker in that team for the remainder of the year? I think he does. He wants to still evaluate this list. Where does Aaron Hall sit in this? I think he's best 22, no doubt, at the moment. Um, it's just a matter of what is David Noble going to do to that team. And he's, man, he moved Kane Turner into the midfield to tag Rory Laird on the weekend. So... Who knows what's going to happen in game? Is it going to impact Aaron Hall? He's got a monster ceiling. It's a big like, but it's a it's a big risk, risk there for um, Hall as well. Jet, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a like again because there's not a lot of primo forwards putting their hand up, so you can take that punt on Hall. I think mm. I think that's, and he might even get defender status it with could be a bit easily of luck. Top top six forward. Yeah, uh, look, I'm thinking forward before defenders because we've got premium defenders coming out of our ears. But, yeah, yeah it's um, it's an interesting one because, yeah, they didn't man him up at all. He, was, he had a free run and he, he sort of played to his strengths, didn't he? So you have to like it. Again, it worked for North Melbourne, so it's going to continue. And, again, I feel like Aaron Hall's that one that you can pull the trigger on because of the availability of primos in the forward line at the moment. He's a ball hunter, and we know when he's got a license to, just to go hunt the ball that he's a, um, a high-disposal type player. So, yeah, it's it's there is potential there, that's for sure. Okay, next one, Patrick Cripps. We know Cripps is the target, number one target for a tag. It's still not Sam Walsh, although he was lined up against Miller a little bit at times in round four. So, for me, it's still a no for Patrick Cripps. Dislike your thoughts, Chip? 
Yeah, dislike again for me. I don't. I just don't see Cripps as good as he was on the weekend. I just don't see him being consistent. Next one, Josh Kelly. Now we did see him in the middle of the ground in round one, but since then, man, he he's been he's played so far outside the centre square. He's playing outside the 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 boundary line. Believe it or not, I'll, I'll take a look. Go and take for those listeners who look at the heat maps. Go and take a look at his heat maps, and I did post one on my Twitter account tonight. Of round two, round three, round four, you can't get any wider than that. So, yeah, he's playing way outside. Uh, be interesting to see what happens when Lockie Whitfield comes back into that team because that's the sort of role that Whitfield plays, really outside, getting loose possessions, coming out of defence. Uh, but, yeah, Kelly, interesting there. Uh, Centre bounces have declined from last year, as I mentioned in the previous episode, the solo pod. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a dislike here for Kelly, which is a strange because he was a target for me in the preseason. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, it's a dislike for me as well. I just um, obviously he's out of contract, and I think there's a bit of byplay in the background personally because um, it makes no sense. But you got Callum Ward who who did really well, and they threw Green in on the odd occasion, um, Tom Green as well, and then Taranto and and Hopper, and I'm probably missing one. So yeah, look. It's a lot of mouse to feed, so Kelly does his best damage on the outside. It's just they're not he's not getting enough of the ball. So, yeah, dislike. Yeah, it's just one of those things we just need to adapt to some sort of change during the season as fantasy coaches. On to the next one, Jarman Impey. is the type of general you need out of the back line. He's, he's exiting defence with the ball quite nicely. Uh, his, his skills by foot are elite. He has been scoring quite nicely this year. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Big like for me. Uh, dislike for me only because they've had spurts with Hardwick getting a lot of the ball, then spurts with CJ getting a lot of the ball, and obviously spurts with Impey getting a lot of the ball. So as each week happens, you don't know who's going to really, you know, score three figures in fantasy terms. So yeah, I just yeah, primo defenders are coming through our ears. So dislike. Uh, the next one here, Andrew Brayshaw was targeted in round three a little bit again in round four. And what we did see in round four is he, Justin Longmuir, flipped the script and then he started to look at Andrew, he started to look at Tom Mitchell. So uh, he's getting tagged and he's becoming a bit of a tagger himself. So it's not, and Justin Longmuir did say in an interview, uh, and he's pretty much he was post-game presser, that he's not into players getting high disposals. That's not what they're about. He's in... Uh, he's more about the team, and if a player needs to play a role within that team to make sure that the team does benefit, well, then that's a better scenario for him as a coach. So that being said, uh, Brayshaw, massive dislike for me. Uh, the, the Dockers have reduced their disposals this year. They're moving the ball a lot more efficiently. Uh, that's a massive change from what we did see last year. Again, big dislike for me. Jep, what are your thoughts? Uh it's a dislike for now, for, but just for one or two weeks because I still think there's a potential there. I think he's break-evens high, so let's see how he goes for one or two weeks. But I think Brayshaw can be an outside chance for a top eight mid, and, and he's got a he's got a decent – well, he's definitely consistent. It's just whether or not he can score at that high ceiling level is, is what I'm thinking at the minute. You know, the Tom Mitchells of the world can really – hit that 150 um, where Brayshaw can't, I don't believe. So um, there's potential there. And look, we'll be talking about him for years. Yeah, I agree long term. But when Carlton go out and tag him out of the game in round three and it shut down yeah. the Doggers, 
And then when Clarkson come out, comes out in a press conference and was asked why he targeted Andrew Brayshaw, and he says, well, he's their best mid. So that's just a, a massive uh, warning right there that that could be a scenario for the remainder of the year. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's an elite mid there for myself. Uh, but, yeah, dislike in fantasy. Okay, the last one. And what a nightmare it was if you owned this player in round four. In Ballarat, he goes out and scores, what was it, 20 points. Uh, he's a high-ceiling type player. Defender, it's Caleb Daniel. The other scenario in here is he got himself suspended for round five. So not only did you cop the low score in round four, is that you need to potentially hold him for round five. Uh, and what do we know going forward? Are other teams going to take him? We did see that late last year that teams were going to him. So And then Luke Beveridge started to move him forward. So is it is that... A few questions here, Jeff. Like or dislike, is a tag a big, big issue going forward for the main of the year? And what do people need to do this week? So three questions there for you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think... Caleb Daniel was brought in as that cheap premium that probably hasn't come on. So I don't see Daniel as a top six defender. So given that he is suspended, it's it's time to pull the trigger now. Naturally, owners were hoping, you know, during the buys they'd offload him if, if he didn't come, you know, with a with a high ceiling and consistent scoring. So I think it's just time to cut again, cut your losses. Get rid of him um, in this day and age. Put him on the bench. You know, a lot of coaches would have to rely on Cozzy, or maybe they're going to have Lucky Jones there. But you know, Caleb Daniel to Lucky Jones, and then maybe upgrading elsewhere could be a go. Hmm. That's really interesting you just said that because as you were speaking, I was just thinking, well, how many coaches do own Caleb Daniel? And not only that, you put on the layer of they need Matt Flynn to play at R2 this week. So if yeah. people were in that position, and, and add the third layer to that, if those same coaches don't own Lockie Jones, this is exact, that's exactly what I'd be doing. I'd be going Daniel down to Lockie Jones and then upgrading Matt Flynn to whatever or whatever uh, ruck bench you did have to get some good coverage on field. So I think that's a pretty good response there, Jep. All right, that's it for episode 75. Again, if you would like a score a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. Monday night, Tuesday morning, solo pod. I will go through the previous round for a review and look at some game trends. And then again, Jeppa and I on Tuesday, late Tuesday nights, early Wednesday mornings. Final thoughts heading into round five, Jep. Yeah, just make sure um, you've got a trade up your sleeve. We've got some Sunday teams where players are questionable. And after last Friday's debacle with the Sunday team announcements, I think just making sure you've got trades and playing ahead. Don't leave in cats and choice too late. You know, all the usual stuff we say, but just enforcing that. All right, Jeff, that's it. Uh, we'll let you enjoy the rest of the night in Perth. Uh, that's it for episode 75. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.